You're listening to the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated Birmingham City women's audio show bringing you the latest news and interviews from the club. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 60 of the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated weekly women's football podcast about all things Birmingham City. I'm joined, as always, by Chris and Kaz as we talk for the final time this season how have you both been Kaz first of all how have you been yeah I've been all right mate what about yourself yeah not too bad thank you what about you Chris yeah not too bad thank you Craig glad to hear it we'll get on to the news then and it was announced today that Birmingham City striker Alan White would be leaving the club at the end of her current contract moments later it was confirmed on Twitter that she'll be leaving for Manchester City Chris this isn't the first player to leave the club for Man City Mel Lawley Izzy Christensen, and more recently, Franz Stenson too. Are we unintentionally becoming a feeder club for Man City? Um, it looks that way. You know, uh, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's anything intentional, but um, yeah, that seems to be the way Man City are approaching things. That they quite like the way that we we build up players and improve players, and, uh, and then they go and uh, go and nick them when when they're out of contract. It's testament to the to the way that the girls are playing at, at Blues. I suppose that a club like Man City feel like they're the they're the people who who they want to go and approach to to play for them. But even so, it's you know it's a bit galling every time we you know we we get a player who, who's looking good for us, um, and and City come and you know, just decide to nab them. Um, obviously, you know, any of the top three, really, it, it's a bit frustrating. I said earlier, that's that's what being a Blues fan's all about, really. You know, you, you know, we're in this position. We know we haven't got the, the money that the top three have got available to them. So, you know, we get players in, we improve them, they look good for us and they move on. That That seems to be the way it is. Ellen's contributions over the years, she's been at the club, has been fantastic. She's had injuries, that though, that have plagued her time here. But she's shown when fit, she's probably the best striker for scoring goals in this league. Chris's infamous Ellen White for Wembley, when she scored that winning penalty to take us into the FA Cup final, was a particular highlight of mine. Another one was when she scored twice against her new club, Man City, to end their great run, I think it was last season. What about you two? Fav- uh, some favourite memories of Ellen's time at the club? Chelsea. Obviously them two goals, especially the one where Jess Carter set it up and then Emma Follis and then Ellen scored. But like you said, it's all been, it, she's been injury prone since coming to us, so there has been some great moments. I think her goal you know, this season at, at, at Chelsea um, in the win was, you know, showed that, I mean, she'd been out for, for so long and and she comes back on, and within half an hour, she's she scored a, a delightful volley to give us to give us a win that you know we we might not have got otherwise. I think last season as well, uh, her hat trick at home to Arsenal was exceptional, you know. And again that day, it was it was against a very good Arsenal side, and and we beat them three 0 And you look at what Arsenal have done in the league this season, and you know it, it shows the the quality Ellen has. Nobody. Nobody at Blues will ever dispute the quality Ellen has. We we worked out earlier, Craig, that I think it's per your stats. I think it was twenty four league goals in twenty eight league games or something along that. Very close to one 
one goal a game in in league appearances and things like that. So um, nobody will question her her ability one bit. And um, for the two and a bit years she's played for Blues, um, she's shown that time and time again when she has been able to play. Yeah, absolutely. She's been very consistent, as you say, in the league. It was almost a goal a game, as you said. And yeah, when when she's been fit, she's been one of the best players in the league or in the world, really. And it's just a shame that she's had so many injuries that's plagued her uh, time here. Because as as I think you mentioned on uh, social media earlier, Chris, that you we could have really been real contenders for the league if she'd stayed fit for that whole period that she's been at the club. I, I genuinely think so. Yeah, I think you know, if Ellen White plays every game that every game available to us, um, I think we win the league either either last year or this year. You know, I, I truly believe that. Um, you know, you, you look back at games where we've we, we've battered teams and you know we've had full control of games, but couldn't quite get that finishing touch. Um, and as you say, I, I think I think we worked out r- roughly fifty five percent of the games since Ellen joined us she, that she's been able to play if that's up around 85 90% i you know I, I do truly believe that that we could have challenged for a title a lot closer than we have absolutely in more positive news for the club Aoife Mannion has been named the PFA fans player of the month for April the Blues have won all three of their matches during the month of April with Aoife's teammates, or former teammate now, I guess, Ellen White and Hayley Ladd, who's a current player, also up for the award. Manager Marta Tejador also won the award for Manager of the Month for April during that same period. She said in an interview with the club following the news, for me, this is not my award. It is the team's award because of the job we have done this month. The final awards... News uh, from this past week was the Birmingham City Player Awards, in which Kaz and Chris both went to. Before we get into the awards, just tell us a little bit about the event, uh, Chris. How, how how did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was um, it was a very enjoyable night at the ICC. Um, big thanks. I'm, I'm sure Kaz will you know will will main, maintain big thanks to to Chris Fevel for for inviting us um, as part of his sponsor table. Um, it was a yeah, but it was a very enjoyable night. Um, good to see. Actually, you know, we, we gave it a bit of stick, and I, I still I still have reservations about the men and the women being in the same awards. But actually, you know, my concern was that they'd just get the women's awards out the way and and focus on the men's. But it, it wasn't like that, you know. That I, I think they did do it quite well and um, spread it out evenly and gave equal equal uh, time to, to both the men and the women's awards. So um, I have to credit him for that. Um, but yeah, it was an enjoyable night. What about you, Kaz? Oh, mate, it was epic. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even a men's fan. And I just, I love the fact that Che Adams was like sat on the table next to us. And I had James Beatty to the side of me with Clifton Bell. So yeah, it was it was pretty epic, and like Chris said, everybody was a bit like, "Oh, how they're going to do it." But the best part for me of the night is when they introduced the teams, and they had the men and the women walking down the stairs together. Mm. So that was that was pretty epic. But yeah, it was a good night, and Chris Fev, yep, can't slate him. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks again to Chris uh, Freville, the unofficial sponsor of this podcast, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) 
So thanks again to Chris. I think the one of the main issues that the reason I didn't go is obviously because the still the price I felt was given how much it was last year, it was a massive increase for a lot of fans and a lot of fans didn't get to go. And for the people who did get to go, that's great. And it's great to see that they did incorporate both teams in a fair way, even though some of us have uh, had to stay away for this one, but we'll get into the award winners then. And starting with the blues women supporter of the season, that was Terry Dolloway. Uh, The next award was goal of the season. And that went to my pick of the season. That was Lucy Quinn's goal against Chelsea. A lovely half volley into the top corner past the Chelsea goalkeeper. Chris, what did you think of this one? Did you think this was your favourite goal of the season or did you have a a different choice? I actually voted for Ellen's at Chelsea um, purely because it was the winner. It was the last minute. It was a brilliant counter-attack. It was a brilliant ball from Charlie and a great finish. But um, yeah, for... To, to be fair, for, for individual quality on on the goal alone, you know you, you can't you can't knock Lucy winning it at all. It was a it was a magnificent you know reactionary strike. Um, you know a lot of confidence to to get a foot across the ball and and have it bend in the corner. It was it was a brilliant goal and you know to, that 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 was to get us back in the game. Um, you know so uh, an excellent an excellent finish and a worthy winner. Absolutely. And Kaz, uh, Lucy Quinn has that uh, unique talent that she scores cracking goals, but she doesn't maybe get the minutes that she, she deserves based on how well she can put the ball in the back of the neck. This is just another example, the, the really good goal last season against Man City as well, away from home. She's just got that knack from scoring great goals, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't understand how Lucy Quinn isn't getting started for us at all. Like, at pace the delivery she puts into the box, a goal's contribution. Do you know what I mean? It's it's baffling, but if we were to lose the likes of Lucy, then I hope she'd be welcome at any club, I think, in the league. Absolutely. The next award was the Community Ambassador of the Season. That went to Captain Keris Harrop. She obviously does a lot of work with the Sister Club programme, as well as any community projects that are involved. So th- this was a... Quite, a, quite an obvious one, Chris, but it's great to see that she's getting uh, acknowledged for the work that she does out, out off the pitch. Yeah, for someone who's been involved with the club for so long, um, you know, I think this award is probably 10 years worth of, you know, community work that she's done. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely a worthy winner. And I think that was, I think I'm right in saying that was voted for by Mr. Freville himself. So there's no way I'm going to argue whatsoever. I think it was the perfect decision. Next award was Young Player of the Season. That went to Hannah Hampton. She's obviously came in as number one goalkeeper after Anne left and she's rose to the position. She's made clean sheets. She's kept us in games. Great saves. And probably given that we haven't got that many young players who came through this season in particular, she's risen above everyone else. Kaz, what do you agree? Oh, God, yeah. Like, Hannah's, like, one and truly taken that number one jersey for me, I think. We had Anne and we didn't think we'd get any better than that, but she came in and showing us fans what she's capable of doing and there's nobody else I could have said would have got that award because Hannah's been our star player since Anne left, kept us in games, some worldies that she's done, you know what I mean? She's a fantastic goalkeeper. The next award was top goal scorer that went to Ellen White, which again goes to show how vital that she's been since she joined the club. 
She's been out, but she still managed to claw back towards the end of the season goals that put her just above the rest of the team. Emma Follis must be disappointed. She's, she scored a lot of goals in the uh, first half of the season. But Alan White's just pipped her to that post. Technically, technically, end of the season, Ellen White did not finish top goal scorer. No. Controversy on the pod here. Charlie Wellens has got two more goals than Ellen White. Because of the last game? Yeah. Interesting. Charlie wins it then. If that's the case, then we've got a new winner, Charlie Wellings. Congratulations, Congratulations to Charlie. you. Yeah. So, well, uh, there's two more awards. It, the first one was the Supporters Player of the Season, which went to Aoife Mannion. She's obviously a fan favourite, no doubt. I thought, personally, I think I gave this to Hayley Ladd myself, but uh, did I? I, can't, I think I did. I can't remember. It's been a, it's been a long... No, I didn't. I gave it to Harriet Scott, because I thought Harriet Scott had a really good season. But it's been it's been so long since I voted, I can't remember, to be honest. But Aoife Mannion won the award. All the supporters thought she had a really good season, and we can't really argue. She's had a really another good season. Maybe a few moments. I think it was the Arsenal game. She made a few lapses in concentration, which was unlike her, but... Overall, over the course of the season, she's put in great performances week in, week out. Chris, do you think she was the was she your pick to win? First of all, uh, she wasn't. Um, but what I, I have to say about Eva, the, the biggest credit I can give Eva is that I think, like you say, that that Arsenal game at home, um, and I think away as well. I think she gave away a penalty away from home, but the arsenal game at home i think for about 25 minutes she looked really she looked quite rusty and ropey um and it wasn't the Aoife we know we know um but actually for yeah when you're noticing 25 minutes that one of your players isn't quite at their best that just shows how good they are the rest of the time um you know Aoife is a is a regular eight, eight or nine out of ten every game, and that game she was probably a seven, and that's why it stands out. Um, but you know, if, if your player is dropping from an eight and a nine to a seven, and you're noticing that, that shows how good she is the rest of the time. I've got no qualms about Eva winning any award. She's an absolute superstar. Um, I gave it Haley purely because that. You know, that's the area of the pitch that I focus on. That's the area of the pitch that I love watching players play well. Um, but but I've got no issues with Aoife getting it at all. I think it's a case that both of those two are so consistent that you could say that they're both so vital in that team. Alongside yeah. Megan Sargent, who has another good player, who's had a great season as well. Yeah. Who perhaps doesn't get the plaudits that the, the other two do. So congratulations for them, uh, Aoife Mannion, to winning that award. Kaz, who did you vote for for uh, Supporters Player of the Year? Megan Sargent. Megan Sargent, there you go. Uh, as if by magic, we've all, all three of us picked the, <laughs> three of the better ones this season. And the player's player of the season, which is voted by the by the by by her fellow teammates, was given to Hayley Ladd. So they obviously value her uh, contributions to the team this season. And my and, opinion. And Chris's opinion. Yeah, Chris, <laughs> is a bit, <laughs> Chris, had, Chris had a word before they voted, obviously. Congratulations to her as well for... Uh, a deserved performance she's put in a really good season this year since she's come to the club she is one of only two players who has started every league game that she's played in i think it's 35 matches and 35 starts so you can see how vital that she was for under mark and under marta she's just a player who's does everything that's asked of her no matter where they're player on the pitch if that's in defense in midfield and even towards the back of the end of the season she's been playing more up uh, like an attacking midfield position and obviously she's taken over the set-piece duties from Lucy Staniforth, and it's been getting goals at the back end of this season. So congratulations to her as well. 
We'll move now on to the Yeovil game, which seems like a while ago now. Marta made just one change from the side that beat Liverpool at St Andrews for the Yeovil game. Captain Keris Harrett returned to the starting eleven with Harriet Scott making way. Marta made a very strong lineup, Chris. It's very respectful to Yeovil Town to play the big hitters, so to speak. But are you surprised she didn't give any time to some of the fringe players to see if they would fit into a system for next season? Yeah, I, th- I think the fact that Yeovil went to, to Man City the week before and 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 ran them close, only lost 2-1, I think that, that might have had a bearing on it. Obviously, you first and foremost in your mind is you want to go and win the game. Um, and I think... I think Marta has has been in charge, you know, for for a couple of months now, and I think she'll have probably seen enough in the players that that are there in the squad to to know who she'd want to keep and not. Connie came on relatively late at Liverpool. Uh, she came on at Yeovil as well. People like that, you know, she she might want to see a little bit of. But your your objective first and foremost is to go and win the game, and you know. It, it, in that sense, it was no surprise to see to see not many changes from from the from the game against Liverpool, where we played very well. Absolutely, Kaz, you were at the game on Saturday. Talk us through the action and your thoughts on the game overall. All I can remember of the game, right, apart from Charlie's two goals, is how well Lucy Staniforth played. Because everybody knows I have slated Stan this this season. Even Stan knows um, now after you told her on Saturday. I did. But do you know what? That's the best game I've seen stand up in a, for a long time. Yeah, she she was she was exceptional. Forth was, um, you know, she a movement. Um, yeah, you're you're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, her, her movement off the ball and on the ball. Um, you know, she was always available for it. Um, you know, coming deep or or as part of the front three. Um, you know, she was she was instrumental in in a lot of the good play Blues had. Um, you know, and obviously Charlie got the two goals. Both started with with Efra at the back, bringing it out and and getting us going. I think I think it was Stan who 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 fed Charlie for the first goal. Uh, I think it was Claudia Walker thinking of that. Oh, was it Claudia? I think so. Okay, but um, but yeah, but. You know, but both goals were quite similar. Ch- finding Charlie on the right hand side, um, and and the first one was drilled low into the bottom corner. I think the second one got a a little deflection past Megan Walsh, but you know, credit Walsh as well because we, we you know we the chances we created um, could have been six in the first half had it not been for Walsh making saves. So um, you know, she's put another good performance in against us that that she she likes to do, but. You know, we got the goals in the end and it felt very comfortable from start to finish, to be fair. Um, it was another good performance and it's nice to end the season with with, with good back, back-to-back performances as well as, as results. Absolutely. It was a good, another good win. I think the first Charlie effort, effort was right in the corner and Megan Walsh could have no chance on that one. And then yeah. the second one, as you say, took a deflection. I had to watch it a few times to see if it was actually going on target when, when it got deflected in, but it did, so... That's two goals to Charlie Wellings, and deservedly so. And according to Kaz, she's t- top goal scorer this season. We'll go with that because Kaz is on the podcast. <laughs> and, and any 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 issues with that? Uh, tweet at team underscore Schroeder, and I'm sure she'll answer them with uh, her usual charm. The win sees Birmingham finish the season in fourth place with 40 points. This is the highest points total secured by any Blues side in the history of the WSL. 
We also finished just two points behind Chelsea in third and a whopping 13 points ahead of Reading, who finished fifth. Nice to get our own back after last season. Chris, it's it's a remarkable season for this team. What are your over, overall thoughts on the season as a whole? Um, I think there has to be a lot of pride. Do get an, uh, just a slight sense of what could have been again, though. Um, I look back to, to three games in particular. Um, Man City at home, where we were 2-0 up. Um, and we really hadn't played well at all. And we were 2-0 up. Um, with a half, half hour to go, unfortunately, Man City came back and won that one three two. We really shouldn't have let that one slip. Um, Mark's last game, Bristol at home, where the you know it, it felt like the players' minds weren't weren't right, um, and we lost that game one nil. And Brighton away as well, which, which Kaz will tell you was was probably the worst performance of the season, and, and we lost that one as well. You know, there's. There's nine points there that we really should have picked up, you know, which would have been 49 and and, and miles clear of Chelsea in third, you know. So there is a sense of what could have been, but you have to you have to credit the players and and thank the the former manager, um, the current manager, and the players as well for the efforts this season because you know, like you say, a record points total, probably a record number of wins. I'm not. Not certain on that, but probably a record number of wins in a season, um, and they've given us a lot to a lot to cheer about and a lot to celebrate this season. Coming up next month, then, is of course the Women's World Cup in France. England and Scotland will be there, and that means we will have Blues representatives to cheer on. Lucy Stanley Forth has been selected by Phil Neville ahead of the tournament for England, and Chloe Arthur has been named in Shelley Kerr's Scotland squad for the World Cup. The duo could face each other in the opening group game on the 9th of June in Nice. We saw it when Hayley Ladd took on Ellen White in the quarter, uh, the qualifying stages, Kaz. As long as there's no one who gets injured, it's nice to see some friendly competition between teammates. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I think the Scotland game is going to be a lot harder for England than the Wales game. I think Scotland have like, picked up a bit since... I think we beat them 6-1 in the Euros, was it? Or 6-0? Yeah. So, yeah, Scotland, do you know what? One of my favourites to go through to the next stage with the players that they've got back fit and just the the confidence Shelley, uh, Shelley Kerr has given them at the minute as well. And it being the first World Cup, you can't... I don't think you can take that away from them, but... We all know how good England are and what the friendly banter is going to be like. It's not just between like Ellen and Chloe. It's going to be between a few of them who play in the WSL. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, as you say, Kaz, you've got the likes of Aaron Cuthbert, who's had a, a fantastic season at Chelsea this year. And then you've got players who maybe have been on the fringes, like Claire Emsley, who's probably wants to prove herself after not really getting that many game time at Man City this season. Then you've got Jane Ross, who at West Ham's done, done a good job. You've got Kim Little, as you mentioned, who missed the Euros, I think she did. So she's back and she's going to be a key player for them this summer. Chris, what do, uh, what do you think about this uh, the, the Scotland-England game? It's going to be a tough one to start it off. Yeah, what, what I would I certainly agree with Kaz. I, I cannot see another 6-0 coming like, like the Euros. Um, I think Scotland were a little bit shell-shocked that day and, and they just didn't react to what was happening on the day. Um, but you've got 
you've got the, the, the spine, the core of a, of a very strong side. Jen Beattie and Rachel Corsi in defence, two, two very experienced, very good defenders. Um, you know, someone like Kip, someone as good as Kim Little in the middle, you, you've always got a chance when Kim Little's in your side. And you, you've just mentioned what, what of the front three that they could put out, um, Cuthbert, Ross and Emsley, you know, that's a, uh, that's got pace. It's got skill. It's got goals in it. Um, so they you've also got maybe. you've also got uh, Caroline Weir as well. Yeah, Weir. Um, obviously, Chloe Arthur as well. I think she played. You know, she's been playing in defence, hasn't she? At right back, I think for Scotland more often than not. But they've got a lot of WSL experience, and I think I think the the Euros will have taught them a lot as a group. Um, you know, and and you've got someone with the experience of of winning big games like as Kim Little has coming back into the side. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they'll be a different force this time round. Um, and they, they could surprise a few. Um, and it wouldn't shock me to see them get out of the group, especially with, you know, that they, they could qualify as one of the one of the best third-place teams. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them get out of the group, definitely not. No, indeed, that would that's a very strong possibility. Also in England and Scotland's group is the World, former World Cup winners Japan, as well as Argentina. With some third place sides getting through, as you mentioned, through to the third, uh, second round, rather, the potential opponents should England progress can get a bit confusing. If England topped the group, they would face the third place team from either Group B, E, or F. Group B is Germany, China, Spain, and South Africa. Group E is Canada, Cameroon, New Zealand, and the Netherlands. And Group F is the USA, Thailand, Chile, and Sweden. If England comes second, they will face the winners of Group E, which is likely to be either the Netherlands or Canada, both superb sides. And if England somehow scrape through in third, they could face the winners of either Group A or Group B, which would likely be France or Germany. England's group isn't an easy one, as we've mentioned. And if they don't do well, they will be in for an even tougher second round should they progress. The Lionesses beat Japan in the She Believes Cup, but Japan clearly didn't play their best 11 in that match. In, in, a, in a one-off game, Scottish sides as well throughout history have shown they have a spirit to rival anyone. And Argentina are a bit of a wild card, really. The majority of their squad, apart from a few who play in Spain, play in South America. We find it hard enough to watch sides in Europe on a weekly basis, so knowing much about the Argentinian league is near impossible. But they last qualified for the World Cup in 2007, where they went out in the group stages after losing three matches. How do you think the home nations will fare this time, Kaz? You've, you've briefly mentioned it. So you think England and Scotland both could get through? Yeah, I definitely think that them two will definitely get through. I think uh, the likes of Germany, France, obviously Japan, will probably go through. It's, it's, it's going to be good. How about you, Chris? How do you think they're going to do in the group stages? It wouldn't surprise me if both if both of us, um, England and Scotland, qualified, not knowing a lot about Argentina. They, they, they could shock us, but... I think the the big league experience of uh, of the players for England and Scotland, and obviously we, we know we know Japan are, are technically arguably the best side in the tournament. So I'd expect Japan to go to go through, um, and England, and as I say, I think Scotland are, are more than capable of getting getting the third play spot. I think for England, they really want to. You know, you you mentioned the the possible outcomes. You really want to top that group because. You know, Netherlands or Canada as a possibility in in the last sixteen tie is a really tough tie. You know, and and that will that will take a lot out of England. 
Looking at the tournament as a whole, then, how did, how far do you think we'll uh, see England go? In my prediction that I did uh, a few a few days ago, I had England to go out in the semi-finals. What about you, Kaz? Where do you think England's going to finish up? I'm going to say semi-finals as well. I'd like to see Scotland get to the fi- an England Scotland final if that could possibly happen. They've got to beat Germany probably in the in the in the round of sixteen if they do <laughs> Scotland. Germany aren't that special now, are they? No, that's true. Who beat them in the last one? Dem- was it Denmark knocked them out in the Euros? Yeah. So, you know, you, you just you just don't know. It's like you say, it's a one-off, one-off game, isn't it? So, maybe semi-finals for England, quarter-finals. She's going backwards yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I am. Well, well, I'm going to regress us even further. I actually, I actually said in, in my prediction, I had just finished in second in the group. I fear Netherlands. I think, you know, two years ago, Netherlands outplayed us. They've obviously got a, a goal scorer in Miedema who's in the form of a life and, and other exceptional players in that squad. I know they're not in the greatest form at the moment, but when it comes to tournament football, they've got experience of winning one now, which when they won the Euros and Canada showed us a few weeks ago. I know it was only a friendly, but they showed that they were, they were better than us that day. Um, they were more prepared for us that day. So if we if we end up finishing second, I think it's very it's a very 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 tough last sixteen time. Yeah, you've you've obviously gone for Netherlands to win the group. I had England to come second in the group, but then to play Canada, and I thought they were going to beat Canada. Yeah. If if that happens, then they would play Australia in the quarterfinals, and then they play France in the semifinals. Which I is my personal pick to win the tournament, France, which is controversial because the host nation has only won the World Cup ever once, and that was the USA in nineteen ninety nine. And even that was on penalties. France have a really good squad made up of players who play mostly at Lyon week in, week out. But rarely do they actually do well on the international stage, as I've mentioned. They've made the semis only once in either the World Cup or the European Championships in their history, which is ridiculous given some of the players that France have had over the years. And yeah, I think they'll do it, which is remarkable. But it might end up being my worst prediction ever. But I think France are going to lift the trophy on the 7th of July. Kaz, who are your pick to win win this tournament? I'd like to see Germany win it, but that's only because I've got a thing for Germans. <laughs> um, I think it's a tough one. This, do you know what? It's, it's the first time that I've looked at all the nations and thought there's more than like three favourites. Mm. So I'm going to say the US. It's the USA, and they normally win. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I think I think Kaz makes a good point. You know, normally you go USA, Sweden over the years, Norway over the years, but I think you. You could put uh, put forward a case for seven, eight teams who can you know, justifiably win this tournament, um, which shows the growth in, in women's football, I guess. I think Japan are technically the best team in the tournament. You know, um, they won it eight years ago. I think I think I will put I'll put my neck on the line and say that they'll win it this year. I think that's a fair guess. I mean, their young squad who went to the She Believes Cup looked really good apart from the England game. Mm. And if they, and if they can add more quality on top of that, they've got a real good chance, really. So Chris has gone for Japan. Kaz has gone for the United States of America. And I've gone for France. France and the USA will meet in the quarterfinals, according to my list. So that should be a good tie if, if I can knock Kaz's team out early on. So I think that's all for this week's podcast. And that's all for this season. So Thank you, everyone, for listening for the show. Thank you for voting for us for an award that we came shortlisted for earlier in the season. And thank you for anyone who listens because 
we appreciate anyone who listens to this show and it's 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 really we enjoy doing this show so continue to listen and we'll see you all next season so from me thanks for chris and kaz you can follow them on twitter at awcaib that's chris and for kaz it's team underscore schroeder the place where you're sending your angry comments for earlier on <laughs> and i'm at craig hadley and you can follow the show at great since 68 that's all for this week and remember to keep right on and that was the great since 68 podcast To listen to future shows or listen back to our previous ones, go to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you may use, and search for Great Since 68 and subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep right on!